0: Welcome to a special edition of the Academics Podcast. This is a recording of an Advertising Week 2021 panel discussion that I participated in back in October called The New Agency, which was presented by Sparks and Honey. I joined a good friend, Ben Grinspan, as well as Correa Kernick in an interesting discussion about how we think the future of ad agencies will look. Enjoy.
1: Thank you for tuning in to Sparks and Honey's Daily Culture Briefing. My name is Ben Gridspan, and today we're going to be looking at culture in the vertical using Q, our cultural intelligence platform, to unpack trends and changes in human behavior. And today we are kicking off our coverage of Advertising Week, a very exciting week uh, for everybody here, uh, perhaps in uh, all of Omnicom, but also at Sparks and Honey. We're excited to take uh, do some very special briefings this week, looking at the way in which advertising and the advertising world itself is evolving. So we are gonna do some very serious navel gazing uh, and I am all for that. And today we are bringing on, well, let me start with my, my co for today. I'm joined by the wonderful Carrera Kernick. Thank you for joining us, Carrera, and helping us out. Um, she's becoming a regular in her own right. Danny Thibodeau joins us as well as a director uh, at Sparks Nutty. And then also we are joined by Justin Barnett, who, is, uh, who you might recognize from a previous briefing he is a strategist slash creative, and he is the host and producer of the Adcademics podcast. How are you, Justin? I'm well. Thanks. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me again. Awesome. Yeah, we're thrilled to have you on. There were a couple people who, I, well, you know this, but there were a couple people who were sort of in my Rolodex, and I was like, who's the right person to bring on for today? And Justin immediately jumped to mind. Today, we are going to be talking about something that we are calling the new agency. So what we wanted to explore today was the way in which uh, advertising and creative agencies themselves are changing. And one thing that I think is going to be immediately apparent is that they are, uh, you know, these institutions are evolving with the sort of post-COVID uh, era, just like everyone else. And I think we, you know, there are some very serious headwinds, some major changes afoot. So it felt really, really important today, especially as we Think about the equity effect and some of the work that we've done lately on building the post-pandemic organization to take a look at where advertising creative media agencies are and understand that things are changing and that there might be some new literal and figurative agency in the people who work in these spaces to determine their own career in a way that doesn't look like it did even two years ago. So um, got a, a solid number of signals here. Bit of an arcane topic, so we'll, we'll jump right into the elements of culture. And very, very unsurprisingly, un, uh, work shift pops up. That's our trend that we talk about: literal changes in uh, in work and professional behavior. Makes a lot of sense that it's there. I'll point out one other quick one here: is flattening. You know, uh, the world. You know, one thing that the pandemic did was certainly flatten the world and make it easier for people to make some major sort of decisions they might not have been able to uh, without an institution in the past. And things have changed dramatically enough that they can kind of strike out on their own. So Carrera, let me bring you in here for just a second. What other elements of culture do you think we need to know about or or put a pin in for today uh, as we go through this story about the new agency within agencies?
2: Yeah, I'm definitely looking at radical transparency here. It's just been such a major movement touching every industry, every sector. It's no surprise that it's here. People want to know, you know, who's working at the agency and what they're doing to combat climate change or, you know, inclusion, diversity, equity. Like people want to look through glass doors um, and see what's going on under the hood. And then the other one I'll point to is icon toppling. I think the way, you know, the pre-pandemic way of life has been completely toppled and we're emerging with a new way of being and and doing business and, and interacting with each other. Uh, so I'm always looking at, at that one, especially in this conversation.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, let's jump in and talk about what we mean here a little bit. And I think it's unsurprising that we're going to start by talking about the the great resignation. A piece here in Ad Age from just a few uh, months ago lays out a very scary prospect for some of the people at the top of advertising agencies uh, and even within, let's say, the HR departments. Quote, flush with cash after a year of living quietly and burned out to boot, workers and executives have had time to reevaluate their priorities and they're heading out the door in a wave That the advertising industry the piece reports is not immune to indeed this piece might hint that the advertising industry might actually be at the vanguard of this exodus so um quote many of us have been working in a way that we now realize may not be sustainable for the next decades and it has crowded out so many other aspects of life that are so vital TBWA london ceo sarah tate told the magazine shortly before she herself left Quote, a lot of companies talk about how they maintained productivity this year, and some of it did it at the expense of talent, says Deborah Searcy, a consultant and headhunter in uh, the uh, agency world. Quote, Talent has decided that they are no longer in jeopardy of losing their jobs. So they're more risk tolerant about changing them. And as quitting and either and either going freelance or taking time to reset and find something else to do. Now, of course, one major issue with the piece is that it mostly focuses on some of the higher end people here. And I think actually today, what we wanted to talk about, why this is also valuable, was to think about some of the perhaps uh, people who were a little earlier on in their career, the people who used to feel like they had to work those 80 hour a week jobs, maybe for not the or certainly not the pay they'd get in the tech industry um, because they wanted to do something creative. And we've really reached a moment where the question is, is are the rewards, the fun, sometimes the glamour, the creativity of working in advertising and media, are those paying off in the way that they didn't pay off in in the world of of remote work? So Justin, uh, let's start with you for the day. I guess I'm curious about this. You talk to a lot of people in the advertising uh, world, both as part of your job and as part of your podcast. I think you've got a pretty good sense of uh, where, um, you know, where sort of uh, more intro level and where junior people have been at with this conversation in the past year and a half. And I'm curious your take and what you've seen um, in, in your own uh, sort of day-to-day uh, life with this topic.
0: Yeah, I think what I've seen, is, and, and just from, from, like you said, from speaking with people, I think for the first time in like a very long time, for sure within my lifetime is, you know, the, the working conditions, the, the leverage is in the hands of the workers, specifically the younger talent. I think a lot of younger talent with you know with us going virtual that they've been able to recognize um their value and what they can bring to an organization just because they're in in tune with they were already in the digital world long before the leaders of these agencies have been you know that they're they're more well versed and that they're more in demand so as long as you know there's a a shortage of workers and um you know so many opportunities available and people have the option especially younger younger level talent. Um, I think as long as they they they, they remain united and, and their demands for what they want, I think they're going to continue to have the leverage. And I think it's up to these agencies and companies to you know either evolve with the times um, or or risk being left behind essentially. You know? Yeah I, I think that's really
1: well said. I mean we're going to get into that evolving with the times. One question I might have for you just to build on that a little bit is in some of those conversations, I think I think people who are in the first 10 years of their career are very aware that this is going on in that sense of leverage. Do you get the sense that people who are at the top of things understand that this is a question of leverage or do they think this is some other social factor and people want to leave for some other reason or that, you know, no one wants to work, which is the thing you hear nowadays, or are they aware of the fact that younger people are viewing this
0: conversation differently? To be honest with you, I don't know. But what I will say is yeah. um, I can speak from kind of, my POV and I, I feel like as someone who has enter, entered this industry within the last couple of years and you know made a job switch during this pandemic um I think what a lot of people and a lot of agency leaders and recruitment teams fail to realize about what's happening with this great resignation and people moving jobs is there's a there's a big inequity within pay between the, the, mm. the leaders and the veterans in this industry and people who are entry level or mid-level so the advertising Industry primarily operates in major cities like L.A. and New York. If you're an entry-level person making an entry-level salary, the city's not affordable for you. So it's hard to it's hard for an employee to be loyal to a company when you feel like you're underpaid or you just literally need more money to survive. It's not about Hmm. I need to do this for my resume. I I need to plant my flag in the ground and do this for a certain amount of time. It's just about I need to pay my rent and I I don't want to be stressing anymore. So this job's offering me more money. The benefits are higher. So it's, it's a simple equation. And that's kind of how I look at it. I think, I think a lot of leaders are trying to figure out how to get people to, you know, they're trying to retain talent, but it's simply, you know, wages need to evolve with inflation and with the times, you know, and it's to me that that was my mindset of changing jobs was it's just a better situation financially. Yeah yeah I think you're right.
1: and I think it's funny that in some ways money is at the, the crux of all of this, but it's also what can sometimes blind people to this because you know privilege uh, can can change you know the, the, someone who comes in with no student debt and with parents who are willing to support them a little bit could go live in New York and LA and and, and live off the intro level uh, um, salary. but people who aren't or who who have debts to pay, I mean it's it's a totally different uh, question. so I'm, I'm glad we actually got the money early. Let's keep moving though. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more uh, about this,
2: Yeah, uh, Absolutely, so for this next signal, we're continuing to look at the great resignation and how it's impacting the ad agency and you know the industry at large. This article by Morning Brew tracks how some senior and mid-level employees are leaving Madison Avenue for- avenue for life in-house, whether at a brand's internal agency or inside its marketing department. And going in-house isn't a new trend per se, but the pandemic has accelerated the decision for many in the industry as they find themselves drawn to the perks that the other side can offer. So this trend particularly stems from the fact that opportunities at in-house shops are growing by 44% uh, uh, of 150 B2C marketing executives surveyed by Forrest and they said that they plan on moving agency work to their in-house teams by 2022 and in-house teams are increasingly attracted solid agency creatives directors and directors who are looking for a more work-life balance i feel like the pandemic put a lot of focus on that work-life balance the one thing i'd like to point out the one last thing i'd like to point out too which was super interesting was that agencies that were once known for in-office perks like sleek offices or kegs in the office avocado toast or even just in-person company are a lot less enticing in a world where everyone's working from home so there is this need to maybe shift competition for enticing new talent but my first question is for danny what do you think is the key influence for the shift of talent from agency to the branded side yeah so
3: as ben mentioned earlier burnout is playing a huge role in this shift and on the brand side, you seemingly have a little bit more control over your objectives and your deliverables. Um, But in agencies, you have new business coming in all of the time, you have your existing client work and it's just this constant ebb and flow. So there's just really more stability on the brand side overall. And really nearly everyone in agencies has seen and experienced a mass layoff scenario due to losing a client and that's really a loss of stability, as we were talking about money earlier, too, right? So, in a world where everyone has gone through this collective trauma of COVID, people are looking to take control of what they can in terms of stress, finances, well being. So, working brand side in many cases uh, seems to equal more safety.
1: That's yeah, I point. also. I- I'll jump in really quickly and I might tag this. If we're thinking about maybe sort of medium level, like like millennials, right? Um, Especially like slightly older millennials. You know, some of them are just also reaching the age where they may be considering the desire to leave some of those cities for a little bit more space to start a family. And obviously it's easier to do this if you're like summoned to St. Louis you know, um, where the cost of living is infinitely cheaper than if you were, say, living in LA and working at an agency instead of in house. So, I, I, I think it's complex. Danny, you're totally right. I think there are also a couple of other, maybe even life stage things to consider as we have this conversation. But it's definitely accelerated. I I don't think we can. Uh, I don't think we can doubt that.
2: Justin, I'd like to bring you in here too on this other stat that the article mentions. Um, The WPP, one of advertising's largest holding companies revealed last year that 70% of its workforce is under 40. So, you know, we've we've seen and we've heard about age discrimination before. There's actually a few agencies that are getting sued for age discrimination. I'm curious to know from you with ageism becoming a pronounced issue in the industry, what do you think the new agency should be doing uh, to prevent age bias?
0: I think all pretty much all agencies need to do a better job of making the work environment more inclusive, and I, I, it's not just with ageism; it's with sexism, it's with um, you know having different cultures, it's it's with racism, it's with so many different things um, that that have been issues within this industry for years and years. Um, I think what what agencies can do specifically is just like I said, make it a more inclusive culture that does not you know rely solely on things that, that you know, young people gravitate to, like, you know, drinking, you know, that that's a, a big thing in the, in the, in the, within this, this industry and, you know, just the activities that a lot of people do outside of work for group activities and things. I think a lot of people can feel excluded from those if they're not, you know, if they're not of that culture at this time, you know, so I just being conscious of, of all that we're putting into um, in terms of the environment that, that they're creating within these agencies is, is at the core of it all.
2: That's a great point, yeah. you know, with with work cultures that are based around drinking, you know, are you excluding people who have kids or adult kids or, you know, if, if you focus too much on the um, on, on, you know, a younger demographic. But I also like that you brought up, um, you know, inclusion of sex because that's our next signal. Um, here we're focusing on understanding why almost two thirds of female marketers considered quitting due to COVID. So this article from Marketing Week states that a staggering sixty percent of female marketers have left or considered leaving the profession as a result of COVID nineteen, and that's more than any under uh, other industry. And this is all according to uh, research done by LinkedIn. So. The findings were based on a wider sample of more than 20,000 respondents across various industries and roles worldwide. They revealed that 42% of marketers say COVID has caused their career to be uh, stepped back or put on hold. On this measure, only finance at 45% and IT at 50% fared worse for female workers. Um, as far as some of the reasons behind this, uh, many people say it's a perfect storm if you're trying to be a parent and manages a household. There's schooling, there's job. It's you know, it's a lot for women to handle. But Danny, I've got a question for you. Some mm-hmm. ec- uh, some ec- um, <laughs> some economists look at high quitting rates as a sign of economic optimism. You know, you have this influx of people leaving their jobs because they have a belief that another place will be better. They have hope. So, Danny, with the title of this briefing being the new agency, what do you think this means for creatives and for females particularly? With with agency kind of at their fingertips now? Yeah,
3: absolutely. Well, for creatives, a better gig is definitely one that is more about freedom and flexibility to create and to get creative and having the personal agency to create the gig and the life that you want. Mm. Um, And for female creatives specifically, it's not just that, but it's also having to deal with all of the things at home. Um, It could be that they're also caretaking for a sick parent, that they may have children. There's so much more going on there. And then on top of that, you think of the toxicity uh, that has been part of the advertising industry um, that's really existed in agencies for years. And though, yes, it's changing and it's changed a lot, which is wonderful. Um, having the ability to choose where and how to work is really empowering for any creative, and I would guess that is especially true for female creatives.
1: Yeah, you know, it's, I, I love that, Danny, and it's funny because we were talking a little bit about how um, there are, not uh, earlier, about how there aren't, like, a lot of, like, hard and fast answers to some of this stuff, because it's all evolving as we talk about it. But it does make me Mm -hmm. think that it used to be like the kiss of death to have like two years off on your resume, right? It looked like you were unserious, But a lot of people did that because they were like, especially women, because they were often caretakers of children or like you said, that sort of sandwich generation children and their parents. And it was really hard to get over that. Well, now I'm hoping that it's funny in the pandemic that we've reached a point where um, we, are, we give people more grace about things like that, that there's more freelance work, so people care a little bit less about it. But also this idea that like 2020 was insane, 2021 was insane in its own way too. And that having some of these two-year breaks or something might not be the kiss of death in the way that it was a couple of years ago. Now, is that fair to the many women who suffered through that and whose careers were held back by taking a little time for themselves personally? No, it's not fair at all. But sometimes culture runs well, well behind uh, the needs of, of women. And I, I think we're all pretty clear on that. Um, Justin, let me bring you in here. What are, what are your thoughts about this? Is there something, um, it, are, are we gonna see a different opinion about maybe gaps in, in resumes um, coming out of the pandemic? And will that add some new agency to people who, who work in, in the media world where that can often be
0: seen as like, you know, a big no-no? I hope so. Um, that's my simple answer I, I hope so just because you know as someone who trying you know when I was trying to get into the industry I had a gap in my resume and it was very difficult for people to understand that or to to you know see my POV and how much I needed a job at the time so I think a lot of times mm-hmm. where this industry fails with um, you know recruiting or, or hiring diverse talent um, you know they they look at these factors like gaps in the resume and that holds a lot of people back and I think a lot of the times, these people with the gaps are the people who need this job the most, or need this work the most, you know. And it, yeah. it negatively it negatively affects the, the 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 companies and the agencies because they're not hitting these diversity numbers, which means they're not producing the best work that they should be. They're not representative of the country, or you know the their 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 customer base that they're that they're marketing to, and 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 also it's just about you know equality and, and empathy within yeah the the process, you know. So. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's an excellent point.
1: I mean, hopefully, I, I loved your use of the word empathy there, because hopefully the, the, the pandemic was an empathy building experience for, for all of us. Like I said in my comment, I don't think we know this for sure, but certainly uh, this is definitely something for us to, to, to think a little bit about the, the fact that we need to grow empathy for people not just based on like their career and what they've been doing, but also like sexism and the patriarchy, which can often hold people uh, back. Okay. Let's jump forward because we actually, I feel like we did a good job talking about that next single. So let's talk here about resistors. Carrera brought up the, you know, the, the kegs in the office and the, and the pinball tables and the nap pods and all that stuff, which were supposed to make working in an advertising agency fun and uh, sexy and you know, with all the free candy and alcohol you could, you could consume. Um, but speaking of those young people in the ad world, uh, a few months ago, as this New York Times piece reports, David Gross, who is a New York Times ad exec, jumped on a Zoom call and told his team that they'd finally be going back into the office after months away because of the pandemic. Quote, Mr. Gross, 40, wasn't sure how his employees, many in their 20s and 30s, would take it. The initial response, dead silence, was not encouraging. Then one young man asked his question, is the policy mandatory? Uh, As the time, and and that sort of freaked gross out, right? So as the Times writes, in many cases, the decision to return pits older managers who view working in an office as the natural order of things against younger employees who've come to see operating remotely as, well, completely normal. Um, Ad agencies, it seems, are torn between these two schools of thought. They want to be like their their, their tech competitors and consider going remote forever. Um, But ultimately, we also work in the client services industry. And there are things that you have to do in person when you have, clients, if you ask any lawyer or architect or accountant, uh, there are many of them are back in their office and they will tell you that it's a little bit different when you're not the client. Now, employers in the ad world are trying to be more flexible, especially with younger workers who are worried uh, they will sort of balk at the coming back in the office. Now, my take here to editorialize for a second uh, is that a lot of people are really reticent to return to that sort of 10 to 10 work hour that was really common in advertising agencies, maybe less so in certain other parts of the media world but uh, notably so in there and would rather sort of work them to work a 12 hour day they'd rather do it from home so it seems to me that if you want to bring people back into the office it'll take more than you know free beer uh, like beer pong uh to to do that so um let's start with Danny here Danny what do you make of this piece what do you make of this um perhaps uh office snag that some of these agencies are hitting
3: yeah I mean it's definitely not about the free snacks anymore um but I think that there is a true benefit to people coming into the office and meeting one another and having that camaraderie, because I think that's one of the things that young workers um, Mm. in starting their careers, having that sense of community and going through uh, the worst of it and and the trenches and late nights at the office and ordering food together and things like that are a huge part of uh, culture in terms of working in advertising. So there need to be social events, but it has to go beyond the snacks and the beer pong and things like that. It needs to be things that um, they feel are going to help them in their career. It needs to be other things that help them understand that it's helping them to build a community um, and to have a human connection that a lot of people have really missed over this last year. So um, it's less about the snacks and really more about uh, the building of the community and the camaraderie that if we don't yeah. address now, we're gonna have a lot of really uh, really awkward people <laughs> in the offices <laughs> um, working in years to come.
1: Yeah, I know, it's, uh, it's terrible news for, for Drizzly and the various places that can deliver alcohol to an office. Justin, <laughs> can I ask you to play devil's advocate here for a second? Is there an argument to be made to say like, no, we're
0: done, this industry can work remotely? Yeah, I mean, it's, there's there's proof. You know, with, with, with 2020 happening and, and all the things that went down, like agencies still grew. they A bunch of yeah. agencies won new business, a um, bunch of people advanced in their careers. So I think proof of concept is there. So yeah, yeah, there's very much, um, you know, a case to be made for for staying remote. I think the only people, I'm not going to say the only people, but I think, you know, the office, people who want to go back to the office are probably people who are higher up in their career that have benefited from being in the office through, through time, you know? So Mm. That, that, that's that, an interesting that's take. I mean,
1: no, I mean, it's listen. It's an interesting take because it it suggests, and I think Danny was alluding to this, that like it's not just enough to lure people into the office. You have to give someone a tangible benefit to being in that office, and maybe that's one of those things about like getting more one-on-one mentorship, but that's not just a thing that happens. That's a thing that people who are higher up have to like plan for. People also obviously need to feel like they have mentors there. If you don't look like, you know, if every single like ECD in your company is like a white British guy, and that's not who you are, it might be hard to find someone who you feel like is a true mentor. So um, I think this is all wrapped up together as much as I like going into the office. And Justin, next time, as I said, you're in New York, you're welcome to come back out with us in our office. Um, So, okay. I think one of the other things that we're, you know, we're dancing around a little bit here is the sense of values. What does this mean for maybe some of the actual work that people do and the ways in which the pandemic might have made us more forthright about what kind of clients, you know, uh, people are willing to work on. Okay. Yeah, well
2: that Well, this signal touches on exactly that. Um, we're, we're looking at here from Canada's National Observer, how certain young people in the advertising and marketing space are putting pressure on the agencies they work for to influence the accounts that are accepted, or denied, particularly when it comes to big oil. So one of the organizations spearheading this effort is calling itself Clean Creatives, um, which has produced a report that lays bare the connections between the world's largest PR and ad agencies and the fossil fuel industry. They've also created a website with a call to take a pledge to accept no fossil fuel money. The Clean Creatives movement might be cultivating real sway, judging by the reduced fossil fuel revenue at some advertising agencies. Um, There's also been a host of recent lawsuits regarding deceptive climate change denial advertising and big Mm. changes in American culture at large. So I'm going to shoot this question over to Justin. We've been talking about the new agency comprising of greater freedom, uh, more movement inside the industry, more emphasis on work-life balance. But what do you think uh, about creatives having the agency in the accounts they work for?
0: Um, I mean, I'm I'm very much progressive in, in the sense that I I think workers deserve um, the opportunity to choose the type of work that they that they do. You know, I don't think people should be forced to do something that's going to mentally put them in a place where they don't want to be. You know, so I'm, I'm all for people coming together and and rethinking the status quo and, and how we've always done things. And if it, and if it's creating groups to to do things that that are meaningful to their heart, um, you know, mm-hmm. I'm. I'm all for it, so I love it. I love it, and I like to learn more about all of these 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 groups that are popping up and I, I wish they you know got more yeah. spotlight on on panels and things like well, that it, so I'm all for it it's it's funny. I, um,
1: I mean, I, I actually. So I, I have worked in agencies. I've worked in consultancies. I've worked in ad tech, and I spent my very first like uh, job in, in the industry was in PR when I was like fresh out of college, uh, and I will tell you, it was not a, a company owned by our. Uh, it was it was not within our family of brands. Um, they did some work that was like beyond questionable to me. And as sort of the like intern, we were we were expected to do some work that like looking back on it now, I am. I am shocked that no one objected to how sort of gross that was. And I felt it was inappropriate at the time. And honestly, it's why I I have not thought about PR really. I mean, there are lots of wonderful shops do lots of great work. This is not an issue, but it pushed young me, I think away from that side of the industry because I was asked to do some work that I thought was really, really uh, morally dubious. Um, And so I think when you ask yourself, it's not just, are we doing the right thing today? I think as, as a little bit as Justin was getting at, I think it's a bigger question about if we take this client today, what does that mean for the people who are here tomorrow? Is this signaling that we're not the right kind of place for them to be? Is this gonna push people who might be talented out of the space because they don't wanna make these like values compromises? And mine was, you know, 12 years ago at like the launch of the Obama administration. Um, but you know, I could, uh, yeah, this is still fairly relevant uh, today, and I, I think it's definitely something that we don't have an answer for, but absolutely something for us to think about. Um, let's go back to that diversity question, though, because I think it's really important, and I think we should address it directly. Obviously, it's something we're thinking a lot about. So, um, Carrera, let's, let's stick with the, you know kind of the, the the major changes in the past two years when it comes to thinking about inclusion and, and what it means for the future of agencies.
2: Yeah, absolutely. This signal is looking at diversity, equity, inclusion topics in the new agency environment. Uh, We're getting this signal from Business Insider, and the article begins by outlining some of the diversity problems prominent in renowned ad agencies, citing a 2020 ANA report, which found that 3% of 870 chief marketing officers were Black, just 5% were Asian, and just 4% were Hispanic, meaning that the industry is still very white and very male. Advertisers have made pledges to improve diversity, equity, inclusion, especially increasing uh, representation in the C-suite. Uh, and we have seen a few changes. I mean, DE&I roles increased 113% across industries from 2015 to 2022. But unfortunately many DE&I roles in advertising are functions of human resources. So a lot of people are saying that they should be integrated throughout all departments. Um, so while there is some um, you know, movements for change a lot there's still a lot to be done. I'd like to just point to uh, one quote that I found super interesting was um, by a man named Zeldrick Martin, uh, who's uh, a Black media and programmatic exec. And he said that um, as one of the few Black employees at his workplaces, he's been assigned to projects targeting African American consumers because leaders assumed, in quotes, that's what I would want to do. And we're seeing that um, oftentimes, when people enter the workforce, they are because of their identity. They're being expected to work and stuff, and maybe even take on more labor. Um, so I thought that was a really interesting point to highlight when we do talk about DEI. That making sure that you know a lot of work isn't being put on the one person you have in the audience with that identity, uh, or the one person you have in the office with that identity. But I have a question for Justin. We hear often about market backlashes against greenwashing and woke washing, how are public pressures and uh, you know the cultural tides, turning the agencies uh, of the future towards um, diversity and what should agencies be doing to uh, welcome diverse talent.
0: I think they need to listen to, to I think they need to listen to the times. they need to listen to their workers like I said earlier this issue of, of diversity is not new. This did not come up in 2020. This has been around for years. This is actually the reason why I chose to get into the industry because, you know, I saw the need for, um, you know, a, a diversity and, and opinion and in thought. And I felt like I had something to contribute to this. So I think agencies, you know, at this point, you, you like I said earlier, you, you either adjust with the times or, or you get left behind, you know, and yeah. I, I stand firmly on that. I think a lot of a lot of um, people coming into the agency are, are, are thinking about coming into agency life. You know, that's also the mindset. It's we're tired of the lip service. You know, we we see you, you we see when things turn on their head, like as they did with COVID, and how you're able to quickly adapt in order to keep your 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 revenue high. But why can you not adapt to um, making, you know, your diverse talent um, feel more welcomed within the agencies? You know, so I think we're tired of lip service. We know you have the ability to do it and your failure to do it is only going to continue this mass exodus and, you know, yeah. the, the, the complications of recruiting and retaining talent. Yeah,
1: that is a fabulous point. And I would note here, just again, because we are thinking about this very heavily in our uh, equity effect work that, um, you know, the post-pandemic, you have you have a limited period of time to figure out what your post-pandemic organization looks like. A lot of these agencies are starting to be back one day a week in the office. They're rethinking things. Think how quickly we adapted to remote work. You probably have that same amount of time to adapt to a new sort of work culture where people get listened to more and feel heard more directly. So this is something that is not just something that needs to be done, there's a ticking clock to it too. Um, And I I really love that comment, Justin, thank you for sharing that. Um, Let's move into our final signal here. So uh, we don't get to discuss Horace Mann as much as we might want to in the briefings, but the final signal pulls apart a thought uh, from the 19th century activist and pioneer in American public schools, who famously called education, the great equalizer of the conditions of men for decades now, that's the, that's the promise. Uh, uh, but we found that maybe that it doesn't solve all social inequities. So this piece here from the Harvard Business Review from Jeff Mazor says, again, that's not necessarily true. Today, he writes, quote, companies need more workers uh, than workers need jobs. Instead of weeding people out, businesses are tasked with figuring out how to bring new people in. And removing the college degree requirement has been an effective way to do so. Plainly put, Not having college degree should not diminish your chances at securing a good job. This is good news for many young people entering the workforce. And I think it's a provocative question to ask ourselves, obviously, especially for young creative types who even in college or high school might be asking themselves what they need to do, especially if they're full of that good Gen Z entrepreneurialism to succeed in the space. Now, my thinking is that advertising requires way too much analytical skills to do properly without you know, what college imparts in you, right? Because a lot of bad advertising comes down to people who aren't thinking particularly deeply or critically. And the best part about college is that it teaches you how to think deeply and critically. It is worth the money for that and that alone. Um, but obviously there's a lot of issues with gatekeeping when it comes to college. So I'm going to ask Danny here really quick to weigh in. Danny, do you think it's a provocative piece? Do we need to make it clear that we're willing to accept uh, as, an, as, you know, as, a, as an advertising media world more sort of uh, candidates with unorthodox educational backgrounds, um, or is this the kind of thing where it's like it may depend on the role? Your 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 great uh, web person might not need one, but your you know your client strategist might actually uh, need to you know to see that.
3: Yeah, uh, I think it kind of depends on the role. It depends on the agency and also the type of work that they're doing, right? So if. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone graduates high school, they maybe do some community college courses. They do some short courses. They travel around the world. They're doing, um, doing work for a nonprofit somewhere. And then they come back and they work at a cause marketing firm. I think yeah. that that is to measure it experience. I don't think that necessarily, if you have a college, a four-year degree that you are then, um, automatically qualified for something like that. So life experience is super, super important. And I think that there's been a lot of really bad advertising throughout the years. And some of the best stuff comes from people who have really varied life experiences. And um, it's not dependent on whether someone has a college degree or not. But um, yeah, Yeah. the the analytical thinking is is also really important. And and that is, you know, like our our human intelligence team, they need people who have a specific skill set, for example. So it, it depends on the role and also the type of work that's being done.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair, Justin. Let me have you bring this on home. So, you're let's imagine you are a you know a well placed uh, human resources person or perhaps an executive watching this briefing today, thinking these big questions about the new agency for young workers within agencies. What should their takeaway be? What is the thing that you would want them to leave this whole conversation uh, with? If you could, if you, they
0: could take away one or two things. Yeah, I think I've said it twice already, and it's it's you know. Evolve or or be left behind, (laughs) evolve or or be left behind. Um, Obviously things are changing and things have rapidly changed and people are no longer accepting what they once were accepting. They're no longer forced. They no longer feel forced to do things. They feel like they have the leverage and they do. Um, And if you want to continue to be in an industry that's sought after, an industry that's a leader in culture, you need to adjust to the times and, and, and make this industry what it has the potential to be, and that's inclusive and cutting edge. Um, so that, that that would be my advice.
1: I love that. I think that's a great place to leave it. Can I, uh, can I give you some space here to quickly plug uh, your fabulous podcast? You wanna tell people where they can find more conversation about just this very topic?
0: Absolutely. So for those who don't know, I run a podcast called Academics. Um, it's basically, um, a platform that I created for students to get an inside look at, at the, the the agency life because I felt like as a student, um, I didn't have a I didn't have a clear understanding of how complex the agency was. I knew I wanted to work in advertising, but I didn't know that there were so many departments and so many things to do. So I started to have these informational interviews with people who did different things at different agencies in different cities, and I, I quickly found that okay, I have a lot of research to do and I came up with this idea to record these and make it a podcast and make it a resource for students who were just as confused as I was. So yes, I run a podcast called Academics where um, you can listen to it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and SoundCloud. Um, yeah, and if you're interested in being a guest, um, please hit me up. Yeah, there we go. I just did it. He does not bite, it is fun.
1: Thank you again to Justin, pay it forward, Barnett. (laughs) Um, Also a big shout out as well to my Sparks and Honey colleagues, uh, Danny and Carrera for this fascinating conversation. Thank you guys for joining today. You can join us Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday on our LinkedIn page at noon New York time. While you're there, jump in the comments section, let us know what you're thinking about the new agency, the new world of media and advertising. As I said, we're doing this all week. We've got some really awesome stuff we're gonna do a, a Gen Z social media conversation that I am thrilled about, we're gonna look back at the best and worst of pandemic advertising. It's gonna be really cool. I'm pretty excited about this week and I hope you guys join us for all three and even send them off to your friends. If you're interested in Q, the cultural intelligence platform we use to build these briefings, please feel free to reach out. We'd love to give you a tour of it. So until tomorrow, consider yourselves briefed.
0: What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning into this episode. If you want to keep up with us outside of these podcasts, make sure you follow us on Instagram. That's at academics, A-D-C-A-D-E-M-I-C-S. And you can follow me personally. My handle on all social platforms is at Justin D. Barnett. You can also email academicspodcast at gmail.com for any and all inquiries. Thank you. Class dismissed.